my phone is off. I'm sure you guys. Let me okay. just. No. <laughs> no, I, my, mine's never on. I always have mine on um, silent. <clears throat> mine is I'm now off. Thank you for the reminder. So, um, oh, let me start the timer. Drum roll. Timer. Bing. Stopwatch. Start. Okay. Um. All right. Testing. Hello. Hello. Okay. Well, I, I can welcome us in. Yeah, you should. Can I do that part? That's a doctory thing to do. <laughs> I'll welcome us in, and then you just do the whole rest of the Stop show. Stop him. Okay. All right. Right. When you open the door for somebody else. Welcome, everybody, to the Vaccine Conversation with Melissa and Dr. Bob. It's good to be back. Where'd you go? I uh, I don't know. <laughs> but you're back. <laughs> I am back. <laughs> Who knows where you were? Well, we've had you know, we've had a fun um, <laughs> a fun couple of days of uh, you and I sort of doing some preliminary planning and and work. <gasps> planning and, uh, for what, Doctor Bob? For the live vaccine conversation podcast tour what? and documentary film that's coming up. You and guys are going on tour. Yeah, I mean, we are going on tour. Yeah, yep. And Melissa has an exciting announcement for you. She's going to tell everybody the first four cities that we are, or or states, yeah, first four there. states that we're going to visit, and what those approximate dates might be. And this isn't, this isn't like for sure, but this is kind of what we came up with as our beginning for the tour. And so Melissa. So after much deliberating, there were judges, there were teams. (laughs) We talked for hours and hours. Um, Yes. (laughs) Consulted our our Google map, you know, to see like, (laughs) there was a geography lesson. Quite sure. Like, where, uh, where, you know, certain cities were Wait, in certain we? states. Okay. <laughs> we, we weren't sure? I wasn't sure. Okay, so here is what we've decided. We have decided that, should we mention the fundraisers at all for those that are local? Well, why don't you... Why, why don't you... I'm just kind of going chronologically, but okay. if not... Okay, oh, yeah, no, okay, yeah. So, okay, yeah. So, so if you're in the Southern California area yep. and you want to be a part of the fundraiser for the Vaccine Conversation Podcast National Tour that is happening spring and part of summer of 2020, which is this year, we are having two fundraisers that you can be a part of, and that's going to be February 22nd in Orange County and San Juan Capistrano. Details to follow for right. those who are registr- right. registering, and February 29th in Los Angeles area. Yes, exactly. And a general location is Brentwood, and um, I'm super excited. And you can get all the details. Um, well, I'm more excited because I, I sort of, by default, I'm the party planner of, of, of this team. <laughs> I bet nobody would have thought that. <laughs> no, they wouldn't have. Between the right. two of us, they probably would have never thought that you were the one that takes so much joy in the details of planning fundraisers. Oh, and it is, it is a joy. Let me tell you. you, you've seen it. You saw how relaxed I was. <laughs> The weeks leading up to the the previous fundraiser. <laughs> this is Dr. Bob's sarcasm for those who aren't able to tell um, over their podcast. I was podcast like, is anybody going to come? Is the food going to be good? How's it going to go? What about that? Yeah, so I was I was a mess, but you know what? Someone has to do it, and Melissa didn't. <laughs> wasn't I suffered. Do I it. suffered through all of your. Yeah. Uh, insane amount of questions. Well, you do so much. You just do like an insane amount of work all the time. So whenever there's something that I'm going to be halfway decent at, then 
I do it. So I honestly have no desire to do that kind of stuff yeah, though either, yeah. like planning a fundraiser. But I know there are people that are great at it and people that yeah. like to be involved, and, and that's awesome. And I yeah, so I mean, it's crazy. It. I have um, a really good friend and neighbor, Sonia, who's a, an events planner, and she's planning it. And uh, Jennifer is another friend, and she's kind of planning a lot of the uh, the silent auction and, and helping us coordinate sound and lighting. So yeah, it's great to have people come around to, to, to help. But um, yeah, for those of you who are in uh, Southern California, yeah. Uh, if you go to immunityeducationgroup.org or immunityed.org, you go to our um, our uh, donate and take action page on the website. You'll see details about the two fundraisers, and you click on the Eventbrite link. You sign up there, and then you you come back to the website. You donate. You get your tickets. I am really looking forward to both of these because Melissa and I are going to sort of be. Uh, part of the fun, part of the games, you know, you and I are going to... So I just recently found yes. out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Melissa, you know how to play blackjack, right? Because- You're going to be a dealer. <laughs> and Melissa, you don't mind singing, coming down a, a large staircase to you. <laughs> and Melissa, and- you're going to play bocce ball. <laughs> I know. So Melissa and I are going to deal blackjack to, blackjack to, you know, the tablefuls of our friends and, and, uh, and supporters, supporters yeah. and um, and then you can play bocce ball rounds against Melissa and I. See if you can beat us for you know some fun and prizes and some great food, dinner, um, music. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're looking forward to uh, San Juan Capistrano, February twenty second, and Brentwood, Los Angeles, February twenty nine. It's going to be a lot of fun. I had so much fun at the last one. Well, that's that's I what I was going to say. I got to hold a baby at the last one. Someone brought a baby, and I, and the mom's like sitting there. <laughs> I, did I tell the story on the podcast? I don't, I don't think know. So. She was she and her husband are sitting there, and and the the husband's eating, you know, and the mom's like sitting there holding the baby, like staring at her plate of food. And I I walk off. I'm like, I'll hold your baby while you eat. So I like hold the baby for five or ten minutes. We chatted, and the mom, you know, I think enjoyed eating her warm food while it was still warm. And so that was the highlight of the eating. But I had a lot of fun. It was fun, and and for those who don't know. You know, we've had immunity education group for going on five, five years, years. Yeah. right? And yeah. so we've never done fundraisers until the end of last year, only mm-hmm. for this project. Yeah. And, you know, we've kind of purposely been like that. You know, we get the occasional donations from people that support, mm-hmm. but we've never been the type to like promote fundraising and try to get people to donate because we just like to give information. This is what we do. We know it's like, a, you know, type of volunteering of, of our time and effort to support this movement. So we've never really pushed that in any way. And then when we, when we realized we wanted to do this project, we realized how much it was going to cost to get this done, you know, equipment and um, the stuff we need for video, as well as being able to travel and all those things, it's going to cost money. So we had to finally say, okay, we're going to have to do some fundraisers. And our first one was really fun, um, also in Orange County. And we set up these other two. So you know, if you've been a supporter of ours for a while, um, this is your chance to kind of help and get involved. Yeah. If you've sort of been yeah. waiting, like, how can I help them out? How can I donate to them? This is the time I would finally say, like, ask for it. You know, this is the time that we need it to get this accomplished because we have big plans for this year and mm-hmm. we need your help. So yeah. if, if you're local and can be a part of it, that's amazing. But you can also donate um, if you're in another state and you can't make one of these fundraisers, you can donate as if you could be there and be a part of helping us get this together. Because again, we have yeah. such big plans for this. We've never really done this before and asked for money. And so, you know, that makes me uncomfortable. You know, I always tell you yeah, that. Yeah, but but you and I don't don't get any of this uh, donated right. money. You know, I, I don't take us out. I don't, 
I don't think I'll ever need to take any sort of salary from from our nonprofit. I have made you take a, a small salary starting now. Coming you know, up. But, right, yeah. coming up. But I, I kind of, you know, because you basically work full time, uh, you know, at this, but, but we don't but get none like, of this yeah, money none of this has money, anything to do right. with anything other than right. the tour. Yeah. Funding the tour. Yeah. Literally yeah. travel expenses, video expenses, editing expenses, cameraman mm-hmm. expenses. This is all that it is. Yeah. And so, um, if you want to see us come to your state, cause we're trying to get to yeah. 10 different locations, it turns out we'll have 11 and we'll, yeah. we'll get into that in just a second. Um, but 11 different locations and then that information turning into some educational footage for you and then additionally mm-hmm. weaving that into a story and into a movie and working with Joshua Coleman yeah. on this that um it's going to be such a complex and worthwhile project that is going to give so many options for people as far as education and our big focus is public education. So mm-hmm. I think this is, if you've been waiting for the time to donate onto something and you really wanted to support us, we could really use you for this. And yeah. and we don't have a lot of time because yeah, yeah, our yeah. first, we have now on the books tentatively put our very first, you want to drum roll for this? Yeah, one? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our very first, very first location for the Vaccine Conversation podcast live national tour, we are going to try to hit Northern California first. Right. And then Texas, we're coming for you. Yes. And this is going to be the first weekend. This is the end of March, somewhere on the 20th, 21st, 22nd. And again, those dates could be massaged a little bit, but Mm -hmm. somewhere around that time, because Dr. Bob has a, a very... Uh, difficult schedule with all that he's doing as well. And Josh Coleman has his Mm -hmm. schedule. It's hard to kind of coordinate everything. So this is what we have. Northern California is going to be our first location. And then Texas, our second location in the first double day um, stop on our podcast tour. And it's so exciting to actually have, we went through this today and we got this down on paper and now it's starting to feel more real, right? It's not just an idea that we have. It's like, we're we're planning this out. And so I'm just going to give you the first that first location, and I'm going to give you a second location that we're going to have that'll take us through March. Okay, so the last weekend in March, we are coming to... New York <laughs> and Connecticut, probably. New York, New Jersey, kind of as, as a team, uh, mm-hmm. probably in one location, come together, and then and then uh, drive up to hopefully Connecticut and, you know, the, the Northeast Coast. And, and so, so much has gone on there, and we're very excited to go out there and, and meet everybody in person. And we're trying to find a way to make this as um, – make as much geographical sense as possible, yeah, yeah, where yeah. we're kind of trying to hit places together that we can – um, I know so many of you guys contacted me, and we, unfortunately, there are going to be states that we're just not able to include in this, but we are getting quite a few people in there that I'm really excited about. We will um, unveil our next dates uh, coming up, but just for now, we've got our first four dates, Northern California, Texas, New York, and Connecticut, all in the month of March, live events. We're looking at maybe around 300 to 500 people per event, yeah. yep. live podcast. We're going to be meeting you guys. We're to see yeah. you. We can't wait for you to be a part of it. And we're going to film it all. And we're almost there. Yeah. And, and when this actually, um, when the, the signups go live, we will for sure put signups on our immunityeducationgroup.org 
donate, take action page. You'll see it right, right there at the top, you know, come to our, you know, live podcast tour. It'll give you an Eventbrite sign up. And you will have to register. Oh yeah. 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 This is not one of those things you just perhaps show up to last minute, like a town hall. We really have to make sure that we are registering so that the certain number of seats that we have, we can make sure people are committing to be there. It'll be like, like 10 bucks or something just so you're committed to it. And, um, yeah, and so, we're going to have, yeah. you're probably going to have your books to sign, maybe bring some Possibly, of those. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to bring yeah. some Vax Vax postcards and post-its oh, yeah. and some of those materials yeah, you guys have been yeah. using to, to have. We might have some cups, maybe with some of our mug, vaccine conversation yeah, mugs. You yeah. can bring some yeah. of those. Yeah. So we're going to have some things um, at some tables at the back for you to take with you or take a part of the event mm-hmm. with you. And remember, if you're showing up to this event, you may be in the movie. Yeah, You yeah, might be we're seen in footage. the crowd yeah. and, and be there with yeah. your friends. And this is something that you're going to want to to remember. Yeah. And you and I are going to talk to, you know, um, everybody afterwards, just, you know, kind of a meet and greet and hang out and chat for a little while with people. And so we'll be getting camera footage of, of all these conversations that we're having with people. And we're going to take the, I think the, the best and sort of the most compelling footage, you know, from that, uh, and, and hopefully eventually be in the movie. So, yeah, so again, Northern California, yeah. Texas, New York, Connecticut. These yeah, are Mar- our first yeah, March 20 to 22, roughly and March 27 to 29, roughly and dates subject to change. And, and, and should we tell yeah. them the other states that we picked or should we wait? Let's wait. wait. wait? Okay. Let's wait. Sorry, guys. Yeah. So we um, want to find out if you're yeah. one of the other ones that we're going to hit. Uh, you're going to have to wait maybe yeah. a couple episodes until we unveil the rest. And yeah. But I mean, you know, check back on our immunity education page. Uh, maybe in a few weeks, maybe we'll have the event brights up there by then and uh, you can sign up and we'll, we'll post it on our pages too. And I want to just, uh, also remind people, we actually um, have a new podcast website you know, that hosts our podcast and um, something I'm very excited about. And I want to give a shout out to uh, Rebecca and Justine um, because they are the two uh, first people to sign up to uh, uh, be very generous to give us uh, monthly donations, recurring donations. And so people can basically go uh, – on your uh, podcast where you're listening on your phone, um, it says like details, you you push here and, and it says episode notes and it kind of describes the episode. At the very bottom, there is um, a place where you can send us a voice message, but also a link to support this podcast. And it's uh, anchor FM slash the vaccine conversation slash support. Go there. You can, you know, uh, choose a monthly recurring donation, and that is so appreciated because it just helps us, you know, cover the, the small costs of the podcast. But then everything extra will go to this uh, this endeavor. And uh, and I have been asked about that where you, they can set up a recurring donation. Yeah, so, so now it's they nice finally that can, they have yeah. a way to do that because I know for mm-hmm. you guys that's easier sometimes just to automatically come out and you know that you're supporting something that you really believe in and that we are passionate yeah. about helping to educate and, people. Yeah, and I'll put a link to that on our immunity education donation page as well, you know, uh, so people can find the recurring donation link there. And <laughs> yeah, there's more. This is kind of a side yeah. note. Right. You were part of a Star Wars demonstration recently. <laughs> oh, yeah. You finally got to be in it. And uh, it's funny because people yeah. that listen to the podcast where you were saying you were disappointed that you weren't a part of the first one were yeah. like, oh, he finally got to be a part yeah, of his. Yeah. So Dr. Bob was officially part of a V's for Vaccine demonstration uh, at Disneyland. Star Wars theme in costume. Yep. It was a great turnout. Yeah. It was a, an awesome day. On my page, you can see pictures and some video from that. Um, 
um, on Melissa Floyd on Facebook yeah. if you want to see more, or on my Instagram, Melissa Suzanne Music. And we're going to be getting an Instagram page for the vaccine conversation oh, yes, soon, so yeah. that's going to be great too. And uh, it was it was really fun. Did you have a good time? It was a lot of fun. I was totally geeking out on all the costumes, and I was kind of sort of staying in character a lot of the time. I, I was an imperial officer and uh, escorting uh, Darth Vader, who was Melissa, around, and um, it was a lot of fun. But then you kind of loosen up and you know start chatting and laughing with people there. And, it was a uh, nice group. Yeah, 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 it was a great group. Yeah, yeah so that was fun. Yeah. Anyway, so enough of that. Let's get into our topic for today. Yes. And our topic for today is interesting. So this was inspired by um, the new Oprah Wellness Tour that's happening. And so she's on tour the first spring of this year, basically hitting, I think, 12 different cities, I believe, um, for a wellness tour. And the wellness tour is partnered with Weight Watchers, and it's also uh, not not officially written on the, lo- the logo, but sponsored by Pfizer. Um, and there is there has been talk, she was on the Ellen Show, and she was talking about recommending the flu shot and the pneumococcal shot. Mm-hmm. And um, I know a lot of people were a little bit confused. Um, you know, just because her platform, she kind of goes into a wide variety of, let's say, spiritual things on her network that tend to be connected to holistic medicine and maybe a holistic outlook. So being on a, you know, primetime show and advertising for the flu shot and the pneumococcal shot didn't totally make sense, I think, for a lot of people. And I think others were probably confused why Oprah was sponsoring a wellness tour in general, because she hasn't necessarily been one that's been connected to health and wellness in the past. And so there was this idea for everybody to show up with their signs and and have, you know, demonstrations at each of these cities and I remember thinking to myself what is it that people are trying to educate for? What would be the purpose? Because adults can go get a flu shot and pneumococcal shot if they want to. It's their choice, right? right. We're not that's not a mandate, it's not a law, it's not something that you're trying to trying to po- protest exactly. But what would be the goal? What would be behind it? What what would be the reason that we want to stand up and try to make the news and help educate the people that are showing up there? Um, and so I figured, let's start looking into Pfizer. Let's start doing a deep dive on the pharmaceutical company that is behind the pneumococcal vaccine. And I found out so many things, so many things I did not know. I think most people tend to think that the pharmaceutical companies are profit-driven and that there are some shady things that have gone on and that uh, there have been lawsuits and settlements for all sorts of improper things as it relates to these companies. But sometimes you don't know that information until you see it. And so when I started looking into this, you should see the rap sheet for Pfizer is so long. And the history that they have of issue after issue after issue with the public and being um, taken to court, federal court, for and being and having to settle for large amounts of money for something yeah. like this. So I want to run down that stuff with you, and we're going to talk about that All today right. with our listeners. And I hope to do this also with a couple other of the uh, pharmaceutical companies that manufacture childhood vaccines. Primarily, do those okay. um, because. Again, a lot of the mainstream public that totally supports vaccination also agrees there are some issues with pharmaceutical companies, and they almost forget that pharmaceutical companies are the ones making the childhood vaccines. So if these companies are having issues with the drugs that they are selling over here, what makes you think they're being completely truthful with the drugs or biologics they're selling over here? So here's some of the stuff that I found out, which I thought was unreal. 
So the biggest thing that people should know about Pfizer is that they are the only one that makes the pneumococcal vaccine that is on the schedule, which is Prevnar 13. Right. They have a patent for the vaccine, but they also have a patent for how the vaccine is made. So they actually have a complete monopoly on this vaccine. Now, this vaccine is about $160 a shot. It's very expensive. Which is very high. So back in 2014, um, I believe 2014... The ACIP put a universal recommendation for the Prevnar vaccine for all adults over 65. Right. Universal recommendation. That's not a mandate, but a universal recommendation for every person that goes into their wellness or, excuse me, their physical, their annual physical, their doctor is going to tell them, hey, have you gotten your pneumococcal shot? So Pfizer went from having 3% of the market with that pneumococcal shot to 47% of all adults over 65 in two years. That's amazing. Yeah, because, you know, uh, Merck and GlaxoSmithKline, those are the two companies that basically have the entire pediatric vaccine market, almost exclusively those two companies. And Pfizer comes in with this one vaccine that's also a childhood vaccine to kind of get in the vaccine market, which, which, you know, they have every right to. But they're a very small player, a very minor player Mm -hmm. in the childhood vaccine. It's interesting to see that they are the major player in the adult, in the elderly vaccine market. Right. And so listen to these numbers, okay? And then we'll go into a little back history on Pfizer. For people who say there's no real money in vaccines or vaccine makers aren't doing this for money, let's look at these numbers. So once they got to 47% of the adult population that was opting in to the pneumococcal vaccine, they got to a $6 billion profit margin on one vaccine in one year. And that's profit margin, not just sales. This is profit. profit. Wow. $6 billion. In one year. Jeez. Before that, if you can imagine 47% to 3%, they weren't making that kind of money. Right. Now that is more than half of their total profits in the entire year for all the vaccines that they make. So they are really, really counting on this vaccine. So four years go by. And in 2019, fall of 2019, the ACIP removes that universal recommendation for the pneumococcal vaccine. And the reason that they do it is because they see no decline in the cases of pneumonia. So I watched the ACIP's discussion that they had on pneumococcal. What was shocking to me is that they said in, in this meeting that Prevnar 13 only covers 4% of pneumonia cases. Wow. 4%. Wow. So that means 96% of cases of pneumonia would not have been covered even if you got the vaccine. Yeah. And it was universally recommended for every adult over 65. Yeah. yeah. And it's only working in 4% of cases. I mean, that's even lower than the flu right. shot, which everybody's like right. up in arms about. Yeah. Well, what's sad is in order to get that vaccine originally approved for use in elderly uh, back, you know, whenever it was 2014, right. yeah, it was 2014. Pfizer did not have to prove the vaccine worked in preventing pneumonia. They only had mm-hmm. to prove that it created antibodies in the bloodstream and they had to provide a, you know, a safety profile. But you don't really have to prove that a vaccine works. They just, you just have to prove uh, your immune system responds to it and that it's safe. And then they recommend it. And then they do all this post-marketing surveillance. And then they start trying to do all this post-marketing you know, research to, to then prove, if it, prove it works. And now six years later, the researchers finally 
realize and, and, and quote, they say the current evidence presented during today's meeting shows the vaccine only had marginal benefits for adults 65 and older. I would love to see our vaccine policymakers insist that uh, vaccine makers prove a vaccine actually works in real life in the population. Study it in a population first to to prove not only does it create antibodies in the bloodstream, but that those antibodies actually do something for you. And the fact that this vaccine did not do anything in real life Mm -hmm. uh, really, you know, I think speaks poorly of the um, of the recommendation process, the advisory in the panel place. in the first place. Yeah. Why don't they insist? Like, what's the hurry? I mm-hmm. mean, let's let's make sure it works before you make sure everyone you know before you insist everyone gets the vaccine. And and I I mean it's interesting. It was a narrow vote. I don't know if you're going to go into the vote, but oh, it was right. It, they it said was it was an, one of the most difficult votes that they had. Yeah, it was too. an eight to six vote, meaning eight um, ACIP members voted to to take away their recommendation for this vaccine, but six people wanted to continue the recommendation for right. the vaccine for the elderly. Eight to six, that mm. is so narrow. And again, um, you know, I've seen vaccines pass with like a one vote margin. Right. You know, the, the meningococcal vaccine when they added a second dose for teenagers, that passed with the narrowest of margins. And you think if something was going to be so great, it would be like uh, unanimous. It'd be, you know, everyone would vote right. for it if it was so good. So, I mean, it's, it was it, funny, but, too. But, but why such a narrow vote, though, when there's the current evidence says it only has marginal benefits? Why did the six even vote for it? Well, so mm-hmm. when they when they were doing the vote, mm-hmm. they had three different options to vote for. The, the first okay. one was to maintain the current recommendation as okay. on, on the schedule. The second one was to take off the universal recommendation and make it a decision with your doctor. Right. And the third one was to remove the recommendation entirely. So at the time when they first did it, they had a couple people asking to remove it entirely. Okay. Based. And they, and they said the reason was, was based on the data and the research that was presented. And because they didn't have a majority in that vote between one and three, then they had to go and vote on one and two. Do we just keep it on there or do we keep it with a recommendation of the doctor? And I think they were careful to do it. So what they did was they said it, it's not universally recommended, but it's now based on conversations with your clinician. Right. And I think they did that on the purpose so that they didn't, the public didn't think all of a sudden they were saying, don't get this vaccine anymore. And then also the other element was there right now, Prevnar 20 is in like stage three of their trials and they're trying to, yes, 20 strains. They, so they, and at the ACIP meeting, they're all very aware of that. And they even had manufacturers, um, representatives from the manufacturers there to come answer questions about how long it'll be until that comes up. Their idea was let's remove this now and we're going to bring it back when 20 comes out here, Hmm. assuming that 20 is now going to cover maybe more of that 96% that it doesn't. But anyway, when it comes down to money, as soon as you get that universal recommendation, the number, you know, the profit number just just dramatically oh, yeah, increased. Yeah. So what they said was, as soon as that vote happened at the ACIP, the stock went down 2% the same day. Wow. Yeah. Just because they realized yeah. this is no longer universally recommended. Yeah. So to me, the timing of fall of 2019 and then finding out that Oprah's going on tour with Pfizer. Yeah. To me, was instant light bulb. 
this is why they signed on to the wellness tour because now they're losing profits from the ACIP recommend- yeah. uh, recommendations. Yeah. And now they are trying to get into the public's eye as wellness, health. They want people to understand. They want Oprah going on Ellen, who everybody loves Ellen. And a lot of people love Oprah saying, get your pneumococcal shot. Now people are thinking, oh, I didn't even know about that. Maybe I'll go get it. This was prime yeah. Yeah. advertising. Yeah. And I think this is all damage control to counter what they're going to lose as a result of that ACIP vote that just happened. But it was interesting, the discussions with the ACIP, they're like, we kind of can't keep recommending this if we're not really seeing it work. Yeah, and yeah. so some people tried to argue that point and go, well, sometimes it takes five years to really see the result. And they were like, yeah, we've given well, it like eight <laughs> or nine from the time that they yeah. initially started putting yeah, it on. Yeah. We've given it time. It's not doing anything in the adult population. And they focused a lot more on the, the child population with Prevnar. And uh, what they said in quotes, um, one of the committee members and a public health official said that adults, Prevnar for adults, quote, is not where the public health bang for the buck is. And their whole thing was, if we keep recommending it for adults, we're going to take away the focus that it really needs to be given to kids. Mm, yeah. And so again, Prevnar 13 is Pfizer's best selling drug. Okay. And Pfizer, in case people don't know, if you want to do a little back history on Pfizer, Pfizer is the world's largest pharmaceutical company now. Hmm, really? Okay. They are the largest because yeah. they have acquired other pharmaceutical companies, including okay. Wythe, which is a company that yeah. you know makes childhood vaccines. Right. And so they are now the largest um, pharmaceutical company in the world. And what I found interesting in looking through some of their history is that they've always been known for aggressive marketing. So okay. they were the right. first pharmaceutical company to advertise directly to doctors in medical journals. This is back like in huh. the 40s, I huh. believe, when it started. Okay. So they started actually um, putting their ads for their uh, drugs that they were selling in journals to doctors to get doctors. And, and, and nobody first. had ever done okay. that. And huh. they said there was even a discussion kind of about the ethics of that at the time. So... Um, Really interesting that they've had kind of some of this controversy from the beginning. But um, I want to just run down a few of the things from the corporate rap sheet that they have that, you know, people don't really know has happened with Pfizer. And you can weigh in on what you think. I mean, this is obviously not news to you. Pharmaceutical companies doing this is kind of, you know, um, I guess par for the course. Most people Mm -hmm. would agree with that. But I think the bigger issue is, the stuff I'm about to tell you, why would Oprah want to partner with a company like this? I know. And uh, yeah, it, it does shock me. And I just want, I was trying to think to myself, um, I mean, you're asking, you know, like, why would she, as if maybe she shouldn't want to partner with a company that has such a rap sheet. But I'm thinking that um, by partnering with such a well-known celebrity, they're really trying to normalize elderly vaccination. They're trying to make it, you know, uh, so that everyone sees Oprah doing it. And it's almost like a, it's it's like a celebrity endorsement, of course. And and even though Oprah might not be like openly um, endorsing it as an actual product on her tour, I don't know if she is or isn't. But there, I mean, it's 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 just like a, a sports person, you know. Uh, being a, a celebrity endorser for anything. Um, I mean, I think it kind of makes sense. And uh, um, because, you know, that's Oprah's audience. So they're going to kind of go out and, 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 or young, young adults are going to make sure their grandparents are getting the pneumococcal vaccine. And I wonder if, um, I wonder if, if Oprah starts to see some of the, some of the, 
the pushback on this. And, you know, some of the people that are speaking out against, you know, uh, promoting pneumococcal vaccine and the flu shot. And, and if she starts to see people uh, talking about the problems of this vaccine, I wonder if she's going to like put two and two together and realize she's endorsing this. And she might actually start to look at some of this information and realize, hey, maybe this vaccine isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And maybe I, as a celebrity, should not be endorsing that. And that's why I, I like that people are going to start trying to reach Oprah with this and get her to start thinking twice about being involved with Pfizer. Anything you put your name on, you need to do your due diligence and make sure you are associating yourself with a company that has character and integrity that you would support as your own public figure, as you are, your own reputation. You can't separate Pfizer's reputation and Oprah's reputation when she chooses to go on a 12-city tour with them that they are supporting and she's advocating for a pneumococcal vaccine that has a huge profit margin and has been proven to not even be effective for that group of people that they're targeting. And then the flu shot as well for the elderly. I mean, we know from our flu episodes that, that, you know, you could probably probably use the same quote, marginal benefit for... uh, Marginal benefit for the elderly, um, both vaccines. So I'm I'm hoping that uh, that Oprah will look more deeply into this and uh, realize she's promoting two products that the idea of them sounds good. Oh right. yeah, promote you know prevent the flu, prevent pneumonia in the elderly. Of course, that's a great idea. But by as a product, that product actually doesn't do what it's claiming, and hope no, she'll, hopefully she'll realize it. Yeah, and and that's for a nine-city tour that she's doing. Sorry, I was saying 12, but it's nine cities. Okay, so let me go into a couple of the things that Pfizer has done. Um, don't be reading along. Just listen to it. You'll right. hear. This okay. is this, this is not going to be news to you because I'm sure you've heard a lot of this stuff. And I want to go deeper into the, the history of some of these companies because everybody says, yeah, we know this stuff's happening, but I want to know the specifics because right. it's not good enough to say, well, pharma's greedy, you know, profits over yeah. people. We need to know exactly why. Okay. Right. So in the mid 80s with Pfizer, They were actually charged because they were prescribing an arthritis drug that had gastrointestinal bleeding in the elderly. Mm -hmm. But the federal government, even though there were reports and lots of fatalities, the federal government declined to put restrictions on the medication at the time. So this is in the 80s. Um, And this was called um, Feldine. Uh, That was the medication. And so then the FDA started having greater concern about these reports later on. And a lot of these reports you can find in the New York Times um, historically. And in 1991, after this had happened, 1991, the FDA task force actually charged them with with withholding safety problems from regulators to get approval for these heart valves. And they kept the FDA in the dark and people were getting injured and people were actually dying. So this has to do with specifically with product safety. But as you'll see, the majority of what they've been charged with has to do with marketing and advertising and false marketing, false advertising. Um, In 2004, they agreed to suspend the television ads that they had for Celebrex, which I'm sure you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, they admitted that the clinical trial found that elderly patients that took it had these elevated risk of heart problems, but they weren't disclosing this information to the public and they were advertising aggressively to try to target that audience without telling them. This was before they had to list all the side effects, right, on TV. Okay. Um, the next year, uh, they had to withdraw another painkiller, which was Bextra, from the market because they, the FDA actually put a black box warning on it because of cardiovascular and gastrointestinal risks of the medication. Remember, this is like year after year after year. There's something new with lots of different products, and there are new issues that continue to pop up. Um, 
And so anyway, back to the marketing and advertising. This is where it gets interesting to me. So like I told you, it was after World War II. They were the first ones that were um, marketing directly to hospitals and to physicians. They were running ads even for antibiotics using names of doctors that were fictitious, saying that these doctors support and and believe in this product. Um, But it turns out they were completely fake. The doctors, those doctors didn't even exist. Um, (laughs) Years later, they're, you know, in 1991, they're having to pay fines for uh, misleading advertising, just just something like, do you remember plaques, that mouth writ, yeah. uh, mouth plaques? Yeah. So they actually were sued because of their uh, misleading advertising. And people think that's just one product, but this is just one of a list of so many that yeah. this, what this tells you, this leads to the discussion about an integrity and ethics of a company. When right. you've got product after product after product that you're being misleading about, you have false advertising, you're lying to the public about. So uh, in 1996, the FDA ordered Pfizer to stop making unauthorized and misleading medical claims for Zoloft. So think about this. This is 1996. This is um, 25 years, almost 25 years ago. Zoloft is something a lot of people use. And this long ago, Pfizer was making unauthorized and misleading medical claims for this. And it makes you wonder... What else are they possibly hiding about right. something that goes right. to millions and millions and millions of Americans, let alone people all across the world? And they were punished for this already in 1996. Um, have you heard anything about their issues with Soloft? I haven't. It's an, it's an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. It's, it's probably one of the most popular antidepressants for many, many years. And then, I, mean, I don't use it as a pediatrician. Right. But, yeah. And then just a couple of years later, the FDA warns Pfizer that we're co- uh, co-marketing the arthritis drug Celebrex, that the consumer ads were false and misleading. You see the language that keeps coming up? Yeah. False and misleading, yeah. false and misleading. In 2003, they had to pay $6 million to settle with 19 different states that had accused the company of using misleading ads to promote, and this, this you, you should res, reg, um, recognize, Zithromax. Yeah. For children's ear infections. So 19 different states they had to settle with wow. and pay millions of dollars wow. because of misleading ads for a childhood antibiotic. Right. And this is 2003. Does this something that you never heard of happening with this? Because this is something you pre- you probably prescribed right. around that time. Uh, yeah, and I, and I still do. And I don't, I don't remember ever being told anything you know, misleading, but it's probably one of the most popular asked for antibiotics for parents, you know, from parents for their kids. Parents are always asking me, well, can you just prescribe Zithromax because it's once a day. Is that a Z-Pack? Yeah, Yeah. Mm Z-Pack is once a day for five days instead of twice a day or three times a day for 10 days. Okay. So as a physician, as a pediatrician, reading that they were charged in a settlement for misleading and false ads with that antibiotic would that raise some red flags with you about prescribing it? Would you want to look more into this and wonder what yeah. it is that they're telling people that isn't true and maybe what's behind all that? Yeah, I do. I, yeah, I would want to know what was the wording of the advertising. I mean, if they're, I mean, it's, it's, it's an okay antibiotic for ear infections. I mean, it, it, it's, it can work. It's definitely not the go-to. It's not the first line. It's not, probably not even the second line antibiotic for ear infections. And so, yeah, I could see if they were claiming that it was, uh, you know, uh, the best choice for ear infections. I don't know what their claim was, but if it was something along those lines, yeah, that would kind of 
annoy me that they were making those false claims and it probably would probably would affect my advertising or my use of it if I even knew about this. I, well, I don't, I don't remember hearing about that. And my guess is it had to be something a little bit more serious than even saying like it's the best because nobody's paying millions of dollars to 19 different yeah. states and less and, and I'll have to go. Yeah, yeah but imagine this is probably the most uh, – most one of the most used antibiotics, but the most popular one, especially for adults. And so, honestly, a six million dollar fine for Pfizer oh, right, right. is probably like you know a month or two of, of revenue from the sales of that antibiotic. I'm just guessing, but and then probably you, a slap on the wrist, right? And then you look at this year after year after year, yeah. something else, something else, something else. Well, why don't we take a break here? And that's a great and, idea. Uh, and maybe uh, we'll uh, make this a two-parter since this this article and there's so many things to talk about that Pfizer has done. So maybe uh, pause here and uh, wrap it up, and then we'll come back in with the second half of of uh, you know Pfizer's corporate rap sheet and uh, and what this means to people's decision making as to whether or not they really can trust products. And whether or not celebrities uh, like right. Oprah should be endorsing uh, products that that uh, that don't have the science that back up whether or not they work. So. Good point, Doctor Bob. We'll see you guys <laughs> next time on the Vaccine Conversation. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as medical advice. Always consult your healthcare professional for information on vaccines and infectious diseases.